Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Hey, welcome to episode four of the Sand Hills Podcast. We're really excited to have this conversation. As we were looking through the news, figuring out what we wanted to talk about uh, for this week, we saw uh, the COP summit going on in Glasgow, which is about climate change and climate control. And we thought, you know, this is a conversation that's been happening a lot in our community and culture over the last 20 years, especially. And so we thought maybe it'd be interesting to sit down with Pastor Eric and have a conversation about what are the stories that we grew up hearing? What are the stories being told now? What are things that regular people can engage in the conversation and be a part of the solution to be a good steward of the earth? And so, uh, again, uh, Pastor Eric and I, were not scientists. We're not climate experts. Uh, but we are two believers who have a passion for taking care of what God has given us, and we hope that this conversation that we have uh, edifies and encourages you to look at the world in a new way, uh, to glorify God in a new way, and be a part of a, a solution to help take care of the planet that he's given us. No, the only time you're really going to be free and fulfilled is when, as a created being, you begin to walk in the way that he's created you to operate. But what you do need to do is just be a faithful representation of what you believe. Live it, live it boldly, don't hedge on anything, and just simply be who you are for the sake of Christ and the gospel and the church. And don't think about it in terms of like, did I make sure that they understood that I think they're wrong? In every generation, we need to evangelize the church. There is no Christian culture. Christianity is the message of God's Son sacrificed on the cross for our salvation. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to choose him or not? And I often tell people, people don't leave church because of God. Mm -hmm. They leave because of other people. So I think one of the ways that we could start the conversation is talk about what what kind of stories you grew up around with this topic of, you know, the climate. Because I feel like, you know, and, and we were talking about this before we were recording, but that aspect of like how you're taught, what you grew up hearing influences how you then obviously live your life. So what were some of the things that you uh, kind of grew up hearing or you heard talked about? Um, so cards on the table. I grew up in the 90s. Um and I think when I like when you think back of it, like, okay, did you ever see the show Captain Planet? I heard about it, and I watched some on YouTube. Dude, they're they're pretty scary. I mean, yeah. like looking back at it, you're like, this is <laughs> just because it's so cheesy. But you know, it's Captain Planet, and he's literally fighting like, um, like one of the villains is like toxic waste guy and like sludge guy. I mean, wow. it's just supposed. I mean, it's it's really like, and he's just cleaning up the earth and all that kind of stuff. Very so, little creativity in those. Oh, I mean, villain oh, names. I mean, I mean, don't 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 quote me on that. YouTube them and, and but like I remember like the opening yeah. animatic for like you know during the theme because he had a whole theme song to it you know and I I remember most of it but I'm not gonna do it but um. Anyway, so you have, you know, you have the overt things where it's like you got children's cartoons that are all about, you know, recycling. And, and I remember, like, all the reduce, reuse, recycle and everywhere, which is great. Um, and just personally, like, we grew up, like, my parents love working out in the yard. Like, mm. yard work, as a kid, I hated it. Um, but then ended up doing it actually as a job for a long time, doing landscaping. Uh, but, yeah, so my, my experience growing up, 
in the 90s um, with my parents actually liking to cultivate, you know, the the earth around us, you mm -hmm. know, in their yards, loved planting things, you know, having things grow, choosing the right plants for your area, um, managing it, you know, watering your yard, mm -hmm. taking care of things. Like, so that care for the earth was there. Um, I probably didn't care so much about the, you know, the kind of the messaging, you know, mm -hmm. from media. Sure. But, but also besides like recycle, that was about it. Obviously until... Um, you get to, um, you know, I guess from us it was um, early, late high school, early college is when things really started ramping up. Probably um, in 2010s, early yeah, 2010. Yeah, early, early 2010s because that's, you know, um, I can't remember when the film Inconvenient Truth came out, mm. uh, but the, that documentary came out and then... And then you think about like the big blockbuster movie 2012. Everyone was, remember when the yeah. Mayan calendar, yep. everyone was obsessed with that. Yeah. And it wasn't so much, the funny thing you think about it, it wasn't so much climate was the problem, but somehow the Mayans had predicted cataclysmic climate based events. events Nature that, things. Yeah, that would yeah. signal the end of the world. Uh, but yeah, you had all of that wrapped up. And I mean, so, but there was, I remember, yeah, early, late 2000s, early 2010s. You started having, that's when really I started hearing about we have to do something mm -hmm. now. We're point of no return. Um, it's going to be the end soon. Yeah. We're going to see a high increase in, you know, total numbers of dead due to climate-related disasters. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you were seeing things like, you know, Hurricane Katrina came in 2004, 2005. Yeah. Uh, you know, wiped out tons of stuff. I mean, you, you started seeing some big things happen, and you're like, oh, but uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that was just, that's kind of the environment that you kind of grown in. It's just kind of slowly escalated. Like I said, kind of quiet in the nineties, as far as I could yeah. tell, you know, people who were, um, you know, more, you know, more aware at that time or older at that time would be able to tell more, but it, yeah, it seems like it definitely has picked up speed, intensity, and kind of the, um, the threat level or the, the perceived threat level yeah. is a lot higher now. Yeah. And it's, it's always interesting because one of the things is, you know, you see these happening more and more, and then also the ability for information to spread so quickly yeah. um, that you can see these things happening more and more because you have more access. Um, right. I mean, like, know. how often, I mean, I, I, I feel like as long as I've been alive, California wildfires are, like, constantly burning. Yeah. But it feels like you hear about it more, and it feels worse now because you get to see the 24-7 news coverage. You see what um, it actually is doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it is terrible. It's not you saying it, never was, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, there is something that's a little more visceral, and I, th I think it does raise the emotional level mm -hmm. because we can connect to these disasters in a more intimate way than we used to. Yeah. I think uh, one of the, the things that I can recall very recently was the Texas freeze yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that happened last year. Um, and it was so strange because one of the, the things that it's talking about, and this is, the, I think this is kind of the misconception is why they changed it. Cause it used to be called global warming is what I grew up hearing. Yeah. Yeah. From apparently like seventies, eighties on yeah, global, it was global well, warming. The funny thing before that, I think it was global cooling huh. and then global it, warming became yeah. the latter kind of quarter of the 20th century. And now they just talk about extreme climate change, where, where places that shouldn't experience these things are experiencing them more regularly. Right. Uh, versus um, kind of like when we had the thousand year floods, where it's like, oh, it's a thousand year flood. It's like right. that idea is like, oh, maybe thousand years isn't quite the benchmark anymore. 
right. that we're going to kind of fast forward that. And that's kind of the mindset now is extreme climate change happening more frequently, uh, right. an extreme danger from those things. And that's what I kind of grew up hearing about. Um, I grew up, I'm, and as a military kid, I got to go to a lot of different parts of the country and they mm -hmm. taught about it very differently in each part of the country. Um, in Texas, they did not talk about the environment uh, nearly as much as they did when we were in Alaska. In Alaska, it's a much bigger part of the curriculum because if you're out there, your odds are good you're probably living off yeah. part of the land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or that you'll be stranded in it eventually. <laughs> and so you need to know what to do. Uh, and yeah. so, or you're out on, you know, a nature trail and you could, you could legitimately be the only person for 500 miles um, when you're out there. And so it is really a fascinating, beautiful, wonderful place. Um, but every year it catches on fire. Um, there's, and there gets to be a smoky season. People know about the smoky season. Um, I remember there's a point where they were talking about handing out, um, respiratory devices, uh, to help people who are going to school because there were so, so the air was so thick with smoke. Mm. Um, and there were guys, we live next to an airfield. They're called smoke jumpers. And what these guys, this is crazy. This is what these guys do. They go into a big C-130. Mm -hmm. They put on all their firefighter gear, Dude. a parachute, an oxygen tank, and a water tank, and they parachute into a wildfire? Into the center of a wildfire. Dude, that's hardcore. And then they do battle with it. That's and, and they literally hardcore, man. fight their way out of it to create a corridor to then like bring in vehicles and stuff. And it's crazy. And so I grew up with these guys playing basketball down the street and talking to the smoke jumpers and getting to hear about, you know, why they do what they do and how important forest fires are. And um, obviously they can be deadly and terrifying. Right. But um, you would also see you drive through a, a part of the forest or a part of the wilderness after a fire mm -hmm. a couple months later in the spring. And, oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. Mm. It's absolutely stunning. There's so much new life. Uh, old, uh, decrepit uh, trees that had been fallen over for a long time or uh, things that, uh, moss and things like that that were invading or destroying life, those things all get done away with in the fire. And then you see new life sprout up, new habitats form. Uh, animals have better food. Uh, and, and it's very fascinating. I'm like, I had no idea. Um, and in fact, forest fires um, are so prevalent in Alaska that they can actually continue even in the wintertime. Um, bro, like underneath all, because there's so much packed, uh, snow and foliage that you could actually have something underneath it. What? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's what a smoke jumper told me, at least. That story stuck with you just, me. You just dropped some knowledge. Man. I'm like, man, I thought it was frozen. I, and then uh, like ice can't freeze. I'm sorry. not. That was a dumb question. <laughs> fire can't freeze, right? That's ice can't wild. freeze, dummy. It's not a fire. <laughs> ice can't freeze. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And oh, so, no. and, and that highlights how I can't talk about the environment, <laughs> but I can talk about the stories that people Correct. hear, right? And, and, and to be loved, like you're saying, I know that's kind of like the jump off that we're going is, you know, obviously neither of us are really qualified or not you know, educated on yeah. climate science, climate physics, you know, historical patterns and haven't done the research. However, it is one of those things if I feel like, you know, we were talking about this, but it's like, that's something I was thinking about. It's like, but as Christians, we have access not in some kind of silly way to like we have the greatest climate scientists, but like hmm. we do have information, knowledge, and access to mm -hmm. the creator of our climate. Yeah. And he has given us instructions explicitly and probably implicitly 
on how we are to engage in what you created. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes us back to Genesis is where this first originates, where Mm -hmm. uh, you see God as creator, creating the cosmos, the universe, the earth very specifically uh, and intentionally, and then us within that. Uh, And then you see a very interesting passage where he says, go and subdue it and take command over it and rule over it. And you see that humans are charged with, uh, I remember in seminary, they called it the, that we were the vice regents that ruled on earth on God's behalf uh, for him and to his glory. And I was like, that's such a cool mentality, you know, because you think of a good ruler isn't someone that's abusing his subjects right uh, is taking advantage of them but is helping create a, a good society and a good place to be and that's the same mentality and, and language that god uses to charge us to care for creation right is yeah take control of it you're in charge you are head honcho uh but use your power wisely and, right. and facilitate growth yeah and i think that's where um I want to go there because there was like there was a couple of specific wording in here when I was looking mm-hmm. at this. I'm like that is helpful, but I was thinking just as we were talking earlier, it reminded me. So there is, I think, a, a helpful distinction that for Christians to think through environmental discussions, climate related discussions, mm-hmm. um, there are kind of the the two extremes that I don't think Christians are allowed to go to. Mm. So um, as we're thinking about the environment. You know, I guess we'll go, we'll kind of define the extremes and then go back to where we mm-hmm. can go. Um, I feel like on one side of the extremes, you have the reckless disregard for creation. Mm-hmm. So the like you said, the abuse of it. You know, um, in a certain sense, you know, I see that, and there's something where you can see that, like even just look like you drive past a house who just haven't done anything mm. with you know, and I. I'm yard based because that's what I did. I mowed lawns, but like you see that yard who's done nothing with it. There's trash in the yard. Mm. Things are overgrown. Plants are dried up and dead. And you're like, that's awful. Or again, you can see on the big corporate level, just, you know, I also, I don't like seeing neighborhoods where you clear cut every single tree Mm. Mm -hmm. and you build the houses right next to each other. And then you stick, you know, they have regulations about, well, you've got to have trees. So they stick one random tree in that space between the street and the sidewalk. Yep, and it's like four feet tall and super tiny. Right. They're like, well, eventually one day this will be a tree. It'll be bigger. And then the funny thing is you're also going, yeah, it'll be bigger and it'll be not suited to that space because you haven't given it room to grow. So it's not good for the tree. It's not good for the grass around it. It's not good for anything. Um, so like that kind of stuff is again, the, that is not managing creation well. Right. And that's saying, I don't care. I want a cheap house or mm. I don't care. I want to throw my trash out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, or I don't care. I, it's mine to do with what I want. It's my property. I can dump gas in the backyard. I can do whatever. Like, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's a bad. Or the tire piles. Things like that. Yeah. Oh, motor oh. oil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're They're like, illegal for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And it is one of those. So we'll get there, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that would be on, you know, and right. because because you know, I know the reason we're talking about this is because you've got the, um, you know, the, the week we're filming it. There's the, you know, the big climate convention climate you know, in Glasgow mm-hmm. um, talking about all that kind of stuff. So like on the governmental policy, I think somewhat of this side is the, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, you know, cards on the table, a little sympathetic to, you know, 
you're talking about like you know get rid of the EPA, all these regulations are bad. Da, da, da. But there's a part like you say like well some regulations are helpful because I don't want my neighbor dumping motor oil all over his backyard. Right. That's going to get down to the groundwater. That's going to affect everything. Like oh there's a right. problem. But then I think you have the other extreme side, where kind of we were talking about this is where you have the extreme pro environment side mm-hmm. that then. Um, you know, taking the biblical Romans language, <laughs> worships creation rather than creator, mm. you know, and that's where, again, I think we did start to see this even in children's cartoons in the 90s. Mm. You know, you have the kind of Mother Earth needs to be protected yeah. because it's, basi- without using religious language, they're basically saying this is a holy thing, mm-hmm. you know, it is, you know, sacred, which I agree, but elevating it beyond, um, I even remember, again, this is a very niche example, but my older brother loved the video games Final Fantasy. Mm. So like the Final Fantasy games for PlayStation, and they made a, a movie. It was like one of the first big CG, like completely CG movies, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. I think I saw it's on Prime mm-hmm. or Netflix now. But the payoff to that movie, it was like all these aliens and these ghost armies that were coming out, but the whole kind of twist at the end was basically... But it's like these ghost aliens from a, our planet that we abused, and they're mm. just mad because they want the planet back. And it's really kind of the spirit of the Earth that is fighting back to protect itself. I mean, it's kind of the Fern Gullies, like that movie. Yeah, You know, you had all of those types of things that are this, the planet is fighting back, we have to do this. And, and then you kind of have, you know, it's... And that's the extreme environment, the Mother Earth, mm-hmm. Gaia worship, all that kind of stuff that some people who even aren't, you know, religious, but there's this religious fervor to kind of Earth above all else. Yeah. I remember that movie, uh, Fern Gully. Yeah. I remember watching it. I, th- I think we might have been in school. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and watching it, I was just like, anyone who owns a tractor must, <laughs> we must get rid of them. Like I was like, <laughs> it was like really weird, and, and oh. like it was very aggressive. Oh, it's so aggressive! I mean, think about uh, <laughs> the modern popular version of that is Avatar. I, I was about to bring up Avatar, James Cameron's yeah. Avatar, because you have it all. You have the whole thing positioned as the natives of this planet mm-hmm. are the good guys, fine, but the evil, the the antagonists are the evil corporations who just want to mine it and harvest the tree. it. The and, tree and, of life, literally. and the tree is literally. The life-giving sort, the, the fount yeah. of all life on the planet that somehow spiritually binds all of you know their right. survival, and you're like, ooh, there's again, I'm not just for clear-cutting trees, but that, this doesn't give us life. It like, goes to an extreme. It, exactly. it goes to an extreme, and so I think those are the two extremes that Christians um, we're not allowed to go there, in the sense of like, you can't just. You can't just be led one way or another. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of your that's your cop out. Like you're mm-hmm. you're you're not paying attention to God's word. You're not mm-hmm. um, you're not taking seriously. I think God's commands, His nature, His His plan for humanity and and for redemption of humanity and redemption of creation. If you go to one of those extremes, yeah. um, so going back to like you said, the original. Um, I was just looking at it, you know, and it does come Genesis chapter one. Um, right after one of my favorite verses, 26 and 27, where it talks about being made in the image of God. Oh, it's actually starting to play <laughs> in the, the audio book. But um, 
in verse 28, it says, after he made them male and female, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Mm. I love this language. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he talks about he's given them all the plants, the food will be yours. Um, and it's and it's such a big thing. And you see it echoed then in uh, Genesis chapter 2 when, you know, um, Adam's call is to actually work the earth. Um, mm. After he makes Adam and Eve... He's all these things are growing for food. Um, man, this where is it in verse 14, 15? Yeah, for verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15. He took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and mm. take care of it. Mm. So we're supposed to subdue it, we're supposed to, we have dominion over it, but we're to take care of it. Like you yeah. said, like if you're given, if you're given responsibility for a thing, you don't just trash the thing because that's also disrespecting the person who gave it to you. Like if he, mm. if we've been given, if God gave us this wonderful planet, well, he's, and we have dominion and responsibility for it, we should take care of it because right. it's, it's in a sense, again, it's kind of like it's on loan, not in this just sense that, Hey, we're temporary, but it's like, it's still God's like, yeah. and that, that's to me that that's the kind of the bigger worldview of uh, the Christian worldview is everything we have financially, our talents, everything is God's and we're given it to steward and manage. Mm -hmm. So we should be good managers. Yeah. And another text that I think a lot of people can um, not associate very well with this is actually in Deuteronomy. Mm. Um, and John Mark Comer, uh, who wrote The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, did a sermon series on Sabbath and how important rest is. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and in that, he actually brought up a really fascinating uh, theological perspective that I had not considered before. But you go to Deuteronomy, and you go to the, the law giving of Sabbath, and it says that your animals shall not do any hard work, that you mm -hmm. shall not uh, plow the earth, you shall not, you know, harvest anything. You, you give all of that a rest, because you need rest. Yeah. But it also needs rest. Right. The animal needs rest. The ground needs rest. And we found that out after the Dust Bowl in yeah. the United States um, in the 1930s, when we're like, Okay, we need to rotate the crops. Yeah, dude. And and give the land a rest. And so you realize when you look at what we've done to the planet in the last hundred and fifty years, and there's no rest for the land. It's just being constantly pounded, mined. I think in a lot used. of I think in a lot of places that is correct. Mm -hmm. And I remember I can't remember how old we were, but I remember being in like elementary and middle school. When we were, I can't remember what period of time it was studying. Maybe it was Dust Bowl or maybe it was, I mean, people have been doing crop rotation for a long time. Again, yeah. it's just like, I feel like it's one of those things of certain cultures and certain places just forget it or they mm -hmm. never learned it. But that was one of those cool things to connect when you're like, secular scientists agree that crop rotation and you need to give soil time to regain nutrients. Mm -hmm. That's important. You're like, secular scientists agree with it. Like, oh, cool. So 5,000 years ago, God told them before you guys came around that that was a good idea. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I feel like he knew. And it, like I was reading that this um, today too, just getting ready for this. There's, I think the first instance of that is in Leviticus 25 mm -hmm. when it was talking about, you know, there's the, the every seven years, there's the Sabbath for it. And then there's the That's big right. 50 year Sabbath. So like every seven years, they were supposed to not harvest. Yeah. 
Um, now, I think there was a particular rule about you could harvest what grew naturally. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, assuming that there's going to be some natural stuff, Berries some byproduct, or again, and, like, yeah. you know, you have a plant that's grown there. It has the natural reproductive cycle to where the seed falls. It's supposed to be really like, so you're like, cause they were going to have to eat. Yeah. Um, and you can't stockpile that much food maybe, but. But they but it, rely on the Lord. Right. You Naturally. rely on, I mean, there is a, you rely on what the Lord brings. It will be mm-hmm. enough. You also need to be responsible, plan ahead. But yeah, give, even giving the earth a break mm-hmm. and seeing, and it's one of those, it does, like you said, it does multiple things and associated with our hurry. We kind of tone our, you know, for, for us Westerners, we tone down the productive side mm-hmm. and say, it's okay to not produce for a little bit. You need to rest for a little bit, um, and that does wonders for us. And it also, again, it replenishes things and helps you be more productive later um, in time. But, yeah, that that idea of, you know, so there's we need to honor it and manage it. There's something else that I was thinking of, too, is you get into Romans where it says creation has also been marred by our sin. Mm. You know, even creation is awaiting the redemption that is promised in Christ, in the, you know, in the end times, in fulfillment, like creation is groaning. It's, it's kind of going like, I was not meant to function like this. Like, mm-hmm. so that's one of the funny things too, when we see about climate catastrophes, all this kind of stuff, there's part of me, it's like, what's causing it? What's causing it? And, and yes, it is worth looking into, um, physical causes. It is worth looking into, is it, is it the amount of carbon we're putting in? Is it something mm-hmm. else? Um, but on a root level, again, for Christians, I think we all we have to recognize and take the step back first and go, yeah, but it's sin that's really caused this. Yeah. Now, again, that's not saying that when you, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you disrespect your wife or when you, you know, lie to a friend or when you, you know, cheat your boss, that's the thing that caused a hurricane. But it's right. saying just the fact that humanity mm-hmm. has caused sin and brought sin into the world. It wasn't creation that brought sin into the world. Right. We're the ones who brought this destructive cycle. Yeah. And that idea of sin being the ultimate culprit, um, and that idea of, okay, well, what's what are some sins that can lead to things like this happening? And the first thing I think of is greed. It's you can true. see people who lead organizations where out of a desire to hold on to more money and not do safer uh, equipment or safer ways of doing things or cleaner ways of doing things, decided in order for them to have a better profit margin that they're not going to value that. Um, And that's something that we see changing a lot in the 2020s. Um, Sure. uh, So when I've got the BBC app uh, is how I look at a lot of my news. And I was looking at the... Uh, COP26, COP26 Climate Change Summit, uh, which is going on right now. And uh, this is interesting. As soon as I scroll down, the first advertisement is for Walmart. Regeneration today, live better tomorrow. And it's this idyllic scene of a pasture land. Yeah, it's got nice, nice cultivated farmland with the windmills windmills behind behind it. Behind it. With the windmills behind it. Man. Saying regeneration today. And so you see this narrative that businesses are really trying to change their perception and that they're trying to do things, whether they are successful or not, will be to be seen. Right. But now we're seeing businesses, I think, for the first time, put a lot of money and effort into that, at the very least, a green appearance. Yeah, there's at least, um, and that's one of those things, it, it gets dicey, and unfortunately, this is my problem, unfortunately, it gets political. Mm-hmm. Like, 
mm-hmm. it, we're about to go into a conversation that's it could sound political. I don't know why it has to, because again, it seems like one side, if you're a Republican, you're anti-environment. If you're a Democrat, you're pro-environment. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be. Um, or again, if your corporation does a green week, oh, they've just totally caved. Or mm-hmm. again, there's, but there is the question of like, are they serious about it, or mm-hmm. are they just are they chasing up appearances? Are they just chasing marketing dollars? Because mm-hmm. if people think they're green, they'll give them their money. Um, give them their green. Whoa. Whoa! Money does grow on trees. There it is. <laughs> 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 no, but I think you're absolutely right that that's a big because I'm looking at this bottle right now, right? And it says, uh, "Empty the bottle, put the cap back on, please recycle." On the side, and then on the other side, it says 30% recycled bottle." Right. And so you can see that these companies really value people knowing. They, they are trying, and that's one of those things where, again, even if you're of the side that's like, "Oh, a lot of this is hyped up," you're like, "Okay, is it a good thing? Could could it could we just agree? Would it be better?" To not put as much trash into the world. Yeah, I mean, like I I've, yes. I've seen some landfill stuff, and you're like, dude, this stuff isn't like, what does it, what does it actually do? Like, I mean, it hurts me to think about it. I'm like, yeah. gosh, well, that's why they hide it from people. They they literally build land it. structures yeah. so that you can't see it because if you do see it, it feels. I mean, like you're like, ooh, I oh, don't know about that. I know, and it feels bad, and so you're like, okay, so like. And to me, they're like, that's a good thing to have an aversion toward just blatantly polluting, right. throwing trash out. And you can see certain things where you're like, like I remember going down to the Dominican Republic, beautiful country, gorgeous country. And yet you'd go along streets and just like even in the mountains, there's just trash floating along riverbanks and this mm. kind of stuff. And you're like, and it, and it kind of hurts you a little bit because you're like, man, this would be great if... Yeah. If we people took care of it. And so on the on the level where again, I think personal like you gotta start personal instead of just focusing on if only we could get, you know, fossil fuels gone or if only we could get this gone again. And it's easy yeah. to think, you know, it's tempting to think political and to put all your hopes onto, you know, the clo- the global climate summit in Glasgow or the or UN ticket items. Yeah, yeah, big ticket items. You're like, okay, but why don't you just start individually and say, okay, mm. well, what could I do? And that's not saying, you know, maybe it is. Don't leave a ton of lights on in your house. Yeah. You know, use, use minimal electricity. Not to your detriment, but just to to the in you know to the extent that you have the capacity to not be wasteful. Mm. I think that's a big thing. Is and that would even be kind of like just a, a godly principle is being a good steward. Yeah, being don't a waste good, it. Don't don't just leave water running all the time. You know, watch your electric consumption. Um, you know, you you brought up a great thing about just like the the one that I didn't know is like you know your the the things you buy. Are oh, we waste? Are we crazy. wasteful in our purchase? Are are we you know, because it's one of the things of like, look at all these, you know, industries that consume all these resources just to produce cheap plastic goods. You're like, but they're only producing it because we're buying it. Yeah. So if it's you want to change something, maybe buy less. Yeah. Like the whole reason that this is a 30% recycled bottle right. is because people wanted it to it's be. It's because people want water that they didn't have to fill up from their faucet. It's not enough that we have running water mm-hmm. out of four faucets in our house but uh, i i want to go buy it from someone who's already bottled it yeah and then i'll throw the bottle away yeah 
And then, and then uh, one of the things that I love that we have here in the church is the water bottle refiller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great because now I'm going to take this and I'm going to go refill it instead of getting another one. Yeah. That way we have we buy less. Yeah, or just buy an algae. Exactly. Yeah, and you know. even better. <laughs> and it just bottle. and it looks manlier if you have a Nalgene. A Nalgene. Or you get I hike. Or you get the Contigo, you know, to go flip top thing, or or the ones that have the straws. Yeah, okay. that's I mean, nice. those those are nice. I don't, even you don't have to spill. I just it's so easy in the car. It's but, great. But that's where I would say is even as the Christian who who's you know figuring out you know maybe you don't like the the big structures who are polluting or you think there's big problems or maybe you don't think it's. But whatever you think on the big global level, first look at your own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of, I think that is a Christian perspective is, and anything, whether I'm looking at, whether I'm judging you for moral failures, whether I'm looking at, um, you know, justice issues in the world, whether I'm looking at um, economic issues in the world or disparities or this kind of stuff, you're like, okay, before you go trying to solve the world's problems, what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are practical things that people can do. Right, and uh, just like we were talking about already with water bottles or with um, one of the big things is clothing. That yeah, we're I didn't know about. this one. Uh, clothing uh, accounts for more pollution than all the cruise ships, uh, and it's like that's a lot of cruise ships. It's a lot of waste and energy that. And they is that use. just like clothing manufacturing? So it's clothing manufacturing, and then which is fueled by clothing consumption. Yeah, which course. is fueled by clothing waste that people will wear something two or three times and then buy the next thing and then put it in their closet for two years, yeah. pull it out, uh, and and hopefully give it away. But a lot of people just throw it away. Right. Um, and one of the things that I that I had no idea about Goodwill goes through their clothes and any place that brings in clothes and things like that, they have to go through it and make sure that it's clean and nice. The majority of stuff that they get, they actually just throw out. Yeah. And that goes into a special bin, and that bin is then sold and shipped uh, to third-world countries, where then they sort through it again and find clothes that they deem are good enough. And then the majority of clothes after that are just burned in an open pit. And there's your carbon. <laughs> and there it is. And, and people don't realize that. Yeah. that, that the clo- Oh, I'm doing something good by donating this raggedy old thing. And this is happening a lot where they have a serious issue, especially in Africa, where they just have so many open burn pits of clothes. It's destroying their local environments and sure. dumping carbon yeah. straight into the, yeah. into the air. So I would say, you know, tagging off of that, that's a good point where I was, I was going to go, um, is so I think as a Christian response, again, you, you first look to yourself. You first look, so what is my personal responsibility? Um, let, me, let me be convicted by my knowledge of the word, Mm-hmm. by my submission to God and his purpose for my life. And part of that is being a good steward. So now I will try to work my life to be a good steward. And again, that can look differently. It's not going to mm-hmm. be a one size fit all. But then I think another, I think something that Christians need, it's kind of a, no, this, this is the Christian response is also um, being educated and seeking truth. Mm-hmm. So not simply going, again, to one extreme or the other because it's convenient for me or mm-hmm. be because I like that or I'm predisposed to that or you know because I'm lazy or maybe because I just want to get active. It's, no, 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 no. Christians need to be ones pushing towards that truth, mm-hmm. pushing towards what what is, again, 
uncovering the truth of, no, that is actually really wasteful. Oh, okay, now that I know, I should do something. Or, it changed our buying habits as a family. We buy right. clothes differently now. Right, and I think it's also a, you know, truth points you to, okay, so if I know the truth that, you know, yeah, open burn pits are bad, can I, can I bring education to parts of the world on how to manage climate better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I know there's missionaries and stuff who do agricultural missions mm-hmm. and how to better plan irrigation for crops, how to get more successful bounty, you know, just, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, I think that is also the role of Christians is to pursue truth, mm-hmm. to um, also bring truth. So bring clarity to places um, because we want to respect the way God has created our world we should seek to know it and then also kind of know how what works best for it. And I think that also, you know, brings to there's a lot of there's a there is, I think, there can be a lack of clarity around the discussion of climate change now. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we said from the beginning. It, it used to be global freeze, now it's global warming, now it's just climate change. You know, so in a literal sense the language is not really clear. On a policy sense, it's not really clear, you know. Things change all the time. Is solar really helpful? Is wind really helpful? Or, you know, I mean, I remember I was hearing people talk about, you know, one of the big studies people cite is this thing called the International Panel on Climate Change from the UN, the IPCC report that talked, it brought up the whole number, like when you start hearing people talk about, you know, we've got 12 years before some kind of point of no return. And um, again, you have to, again, I'm not, I want to put cards on the table. I'm not the expert on it. You know, Mm -hmm. I've heard some informed people discuss it, but in those informed discussions, I think the, the honest ones will say, okay, there's been a lot of misinterpretation of some of this data. Mm -hmm. Um, Some for political reasons or some for just, it was just kind of fly by. You read it too Mm -hmm. quick and you came to some conclusions. So Again, I think we need to push for, don't go just to the quick, easy answer that seems like the yeah. solution you want, but let's really take our time, dig in, um, get to the truth of the matter. Um, and I think the big thing is also, is just whenever we're trying to figure out what to do, you got to figure out what what is our goal, what's important. And I would say as Christians, again, yeah, the earth is important, but people also have to be a major major factor and mm-hmm. recognize there's multiple factors. Yeah. Um, you know, so in those countries where, yeah, they're having to burn clothes, it's like, okay, so, I mean, you could regulate, you could say, hey, no more open burns. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do with all that? Yeah. You're just going to bury it. You're just going to, like, there, there aren't always easy solutions. Right. And so you have to be committed to kind of a long-haul approach and working through what's actually going to bring about change. And maybe, again... Maybe a bigger factor is, do we just, you know, do we need to help people develop, you know, developing, I know developing countries are some of the biggest polluters Mm -hmm. because you got like, because let's face it, carbon fuels and these kinds of things, they're the cheapest, they're the easiest, and so they need them. Yeah. And they don't have the infrastructure to create, when you think about our our trash superhighways (laughs) in the United States, that we have people driving around in trucks all day, every yeah. day, picking up trash right. and moving it around. That's simply just not the case. They can't afford it. The, the society is set up differently. Right. The wealth is going different places. And so, right. like you're talking about those missionaries that go, what are the organizations and people that you can support? If you can't go yourself, mm-hmm. what can you support? Sure. And it's as easy as a Google search. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, and it's and it's it's kind of the put your money where your mouth is a little bit. 
Um, but, but also again, just find the people, I would say find people and organizations that are trying to base solutions and you won't, it won't always be a Christian based organization, but you know, just right. generally even climate related, find people who are, I think who are trying to base solutions on, um, on careful consideration of all the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not trying to push one way or the other. Right. Um, one, one simple person or kind of it's not just a resource it's more of a a person who i've heard who i thought has been a very balanced um, person on this and as far as i know he's i don't think he's a believer or anything but um his name is bjorn lomborg i mean one just with a name like that why wouldn't you listen to him i know bjorn bjorn i know uh but so he's danish and he's the president of uh the copenhagen consensus center which is a think tank which does kind of environmental assessment, cost-benefit analysis, and he's done stuff mm-hmm. for like nations, organizations, stuff. Um, I think he's a balanced person that, again, don't just take everything he says at face value, but I think he would be a voice to listen to, to go, mm-hmm. oh, okay, how can I get a balanced perspective? But in all sorts of topics where there is controversy, I always encourage you know people, Christian or non, but particularly Christians, like, listen to both sides. Like, I yeah. listened to... Um, um, CNN had a little podcast, which was called like a five things that you need to know about. And they were talking about this climate summit and climate change and everything. And mm-hmm. um, they were much more um, pretty fairly on the negative side, just kind of highlighting if stuff doesn't happen, this will be really bad. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then, and then go and listen to someone like uh, Bjorn Lomborg and you can find it. Like, I think he's done a couple Prager U videos or Ted talks mm-hmm. um, and then go listen to, you know, Go listen to a clip from Vox, which will have a ton of stuff on climate change. Go listen to something from, you know, go read an article on The Blaze or The Daily Wire. And you're like, you'll see both sides. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you'll probably find that truth is maybe somewhere in the middle a little bit. Mm -hmm. And don't write people off immediately. Don't just go, ah, it's a hippie Greenpeace person or, ah, you just want to dump pollution in the waters. Like, let's actually try to work towards a solution. Right. Instead of uh, polarize each other. Right. Yeah. And so, and again, that's one of the big reasons why we're talking about this as pastors is that pastors are incredibly influential voices in communities. Um, We stand up in front of groups of people. In your case, um, the next generation you get to speak to. Yo, yo, yo. Students. uh, And we got, when we get to hear, right, how we grew up hearing about it. How are the next generation growing up hearing about it? How are the people in our circles of influence hearing about it? Um, and that doesn't mean you have to go around, you know, hitting people over the head and, and yelling at uh, them. No. That is never a good approach with anything. No, and I think that's the, the problem that you see with people in, when you get kind of in those polarized camps. No one moves. Mm-hmm. You're, in that cam- you're not going to be persuaded by the person saying, right. you know, you're not going to be persuaded by someone saying, you shouldn't have a car. Like, no, yeah. I want that. Or who's but, yelling at you and insulting you simultaneously? Right, and, but you're yeah. all. But the you know, but the environmentalist isn't going to be persuaded by. This is our earth. We get to do what we want. Like, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't do it. Like, but what people listen to is the person who, in the board meeting, um, you know, is realizing that there's some kind of waste in their office and going, right. "Hey, have we thought about maybe trying this out?" And then they're going, "Oh, you know, that might be a good solution." And you can have small conversations. Right. You can notice things and be a, an influential voice of change. And so I think that's what we're trying to really communicate today is that idea of think about it. Know that God is calling 
every believer, every human, really, I mean, you see this as a general charge to humanity, but Correct. Christians can understand it on a much deeper level. But this idea that we're called to be good stewards of this earth and to take care of this earth. Right. And if you need some convincing, you can watch David Attenborough. Attenborough. Oh, planet Earth. On planet Earth with a Bro. great accent. You can see some cute penguins and stuff. And you can see parts of the world that you probably haven't seen before. And and this is and this is maybe this I know we have to draw to an end here, but that it's a great segue because it reminded me of something. Yeah. So I love watching the BBC Planet Earth specials. Now they're laced with again, I, I, I think they tell a story that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily jive always with the Christian narrative. Mm-hmm. Um but just right. but just seeing creation Mm. in all of its glory seeing like you know looking at these huge trees in the jungle where there's triple canopy and it's like home to millions of creatures or the arctic or the deserts Mm. or the deep ocean and you're like it is a wonderful world that god has given us and i'm always reminded um Chris Ledley, who's the other um, uh, next-gen pastor here at Sand Hills, and I grew up with him, he would take us backpacking. Mm. And I'll probably kind of, we can wrap up with this, but one of the things that we would do going backpacking, and the purpose of going backpacking was, I mean, we had a lot of team-building stuff, but was to get out, get in creation. I remember he would give us assignments of, as we were walking in, how many colors can you count? Mm. See how many colors you can find. And I would I would look at, on that on that leaf of a weed, Oh wow! There's like two different shades of green there. Mm. Oh, there's like there's like a there's like a deep maroon purple over here. There's like a gradient blue in the sky. There's like a bright red on a leaf. There's a yellow flower, mm. and you're like, God has made creation wonderful. Mm. And it and he he one of his verses that he'd bring up, and one of the ones that I'm always stuck with is Psalm 19, one through four. Um, the heavens declare the glories of God, mm. the glory of God. The skies proclaim, you know, the works of his hands. You know, it's day by day they pour forth speech, night after night. And there's, there is nowhere that their voice isn't heard. And it's the idea that even in Romans 1, again, Paul makes the argument that God displays himself in creation. Mm. So that even those who haven't heard the gospel of Jesus Christ are, on some level, without excuse. Mm. There is enough of God evidenced in creation that humanity can see his glory and respond to him. Mm, absolutely. And that's why I think on a deep level, Christians should have a reverence for nature, not mm. elevating it beyond what it is, but God saw fit to create a world like this. He saw fit to create trees, animals, plants, you know, all these shrubs ecosystems. and things, ecosystems, varied ecosystems, snow, mm. desert. God saw fit to do that because it displays who he is. Mm. We should seek to understand that creation and respect it because it shows us our creator. Mm. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me and getting to dig into this. I mean, this uh, one of the cool things is just having these kinds of conversations can be so helpful because it helps you think about it. Yeah. So often we can just ignore it in the busyness of life. And so... Thanks again for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning into this production from Sandhills Media Ministry. This episode was produced and hosted by John Daybeck. Audio mixing and camera work by Sean Wigner. Post-production by Eric Wigner. Special thanks to our guest, Eric Wigner. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us through liking, subscribing, and sharing on your social media. 
It is more than you know to fuel this project. If you'd like to know more about Sandhills, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, you can do so at sandhillschurch.org. Special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for supplying our song, Same Blood Instrumental. <laughs>